I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yellow, it's the sportive podcast. Yodis B with me tonight is John. Hi, John. That was kind of a weird introduction, Brandon, but I'll, I'll accept it anyway. All right, and uh, Stu's here too. Hi, Stu. Hey, guys. Uh, how's it going? I do want to apologize for uh, the show not publishing last week. I, it was my fault. I used the wrong computer to record my end of the audio. So I just want to apologize to Wade. want to apologize to, to Wade's Wade. family. <laughs> I want to apologize to Jesus. And that is the extent of my apologies. That that's, a right. good, that's a good list. Stu, I don't even know where you um, got so, a Commodore 64. Never mind, used it to record a podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it, it was embarrassing, and I feel I feel bad for the people we deprived of uh, our. Um, there were some really good like one-liners and some body interplay between me and Clarence Swamptown, and well, it just it just fell by <laughs> the wayside. Body. So, yes. Yep, and it'll spe- it'll, it'll live cl- forever in our hearts. Uh, Yes, it will. Um, Speaking of Clarence, I don't know, did you mention already that he's not going to be here tonight? No, go for it. Okay, uh, he's not able to be here tonight. I believe it's because he has like 20 kids over at his house. I think he's finally starting his own religion. Um, But he did did release a statement that I am supposed to read aloud. So this is a statement from Clarence Swamptown before um, this episode that he could not make because he He can't make it. This is the Zodiac speaking. I have become very upset with the people of San Fran Bay Area. They have not complied with my wishes for them. I promised to punish them if they did not comply by annihilating. So I guess um, that's, uh, I don't know what that all means, guys, but... uh, Wow, um, I think we're uh, cryptic. We're, no, we're I think that's I think that's the nicest thing Clarence has ever said to me. He's yeah, really I don't corner. Really yeah, friendly I, I, now. That no, was weird because like, I had to use a code to. I had to break a code if I had to get the letters, and uh, it, it's troubling on a number of levels. But um, I think we're finally getting a, really getting an insight into into the process. So, oh man, you uh. I'm I'm scared straight. Yeah, there's there's uh, like a whole wow. there's another sentence I can't quite get at yet, but I think it says I shot a man sitting in a parked car with a 38. I think is what it is. Hmm. But okay. I, again, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, that's that's speculation on my part, that's, and I don't know if I we should make that very clear mail, at the outset. Mail the letter over to Wade, and then he can fact check, and he can uh, yeah double. He'll proofread the proofread the letter from Clarence. But we do appreciate the okay. statement. It's uh, it's it's the it's the nicest thing he said in a while. So it really is. God bless. <laughs> All right, you want to talk sports? Nope. Let's pull the cord, man. Let's do it. All right, John, hit me up with some uh, Jurgen discussion. So he got fired. We're recording this on eleven twenty two. He got fired. What was it? Just today, right? Or yesterday? Uh, he got was fired yesterday? yesterday. Okay, yesterday. one day ago. I want to know first off your your immediate reaction. I'm guessing was just straight glee, right? Did you actually cartwheel in your office? Oh, my immediate reaction was. I to sort of wonder why it took this long just because it's the exact thing that everyone expected to happen happened over the past two games. And so <laughs> expecting it to get any better was not exactly not exactly a winning strategy. It sort of turned into over the past about year or so, it sort of turned into waiting for a good opportunity to fire Klinsman. And the fact that it took them more than a year to actually get it done is just sort of ludicrous. Like, there was a, um, Jeff, I, I forget the guy's name, Doug McIntyre, I think, on ESPN FC had a, had a piece that apparently talked to sources close, close to Sunil Gulati, who's the U.S. Soccer Federation president. And as the article wore on, it seemed fairly clear that the source was actually Gulati himself because it was a lot of, information about how he felt and how he was planning to fire Klinsman like three different times over the past year, but then the team would win the next game. And so he'd think, well, eh, can't really fire him now. So it just, in that sense, it was a strange move that they waited this long. And it was also strange because it was immediately obvious that they were going to hire Bruce Arena, who Gulati fired in 2006 for pretty much the exact same things he just fired Klinsman for. So... I'm not exactly – it's not exactly a move forward. It's mostly just Arena's a good coach that has a history of getting the best out of out of players, and so he's probably going to get the best out of the men's national team right now and get them qualified for the World Cup, and then we can go back to the same old disappointment at the World Cup, and then we can move on after 2018. I think that's the plan right now. It seems to be the plan right now. So before we get into Bruce Arena, I have a question about uh, Yergi. Uh, I don't know if you... Deadspin had a column out, uh, must have been uh, late yesterday, talking about the the theory or the belief that the type of coach Klinsman was, uh, meaning someone who would come in here and call out the U.S. for being not as good as we think we are and needing to completely... Uh, reinvent the program, take it more seriously, yada, yada, yada. They thought all of that made sense. It's just he's the wrong individual, and we need to find somebody similar to that moving forward. Do you think that's fair to – well, not fair, but do you agree with that point of view on Klinsman had yeah, at the I, beginning at least the right approach? It just he was incompetent. I, as far as the approach, there, there's sort of two different roles that Klinsman was asked to play. One of them was – obviously the coach of the national team. And that has been pretty much a failure because his strategy of motivating players by asking them to do things they haven't done before and demanding that they 
be ready to do anything. It, I I see where he's coming from in the sense that he wants to he wants players to develop all parts of their game and stuff like that. But when it comes to actually trying to win games that way, it just turns ludicrous. Like playing formations that nobody on the team has ever played before, and then getting mad at them for not succeeding immediately in this stuff. Hey, I can see where he's coming from in the sense of, well, if you were really world-class players, it wouldn't matter what formation we played, but setting them up to fail and then using that as a teaching point is not really a good coaching strategy, and it sort of seldom worked for the Klinsman national team. So in in terms of that role, he was pretty much an utter failure as a game-day coach. It always seemed like when the team did mm-hmm. well, it did well in spite of Klinsman rather than because of anything specific he did. But the other role, and that was the one that Deadspin's talking about, was the guy who does who knows what it takes to be world class and doesn't care about doesn't care about telling people what they don't want to hear and is is going to drive individual players to improve and to move to different places that are going to challenge them. He was good at all of that, and if U.S. Soccer could have gotten him to just do that role, I think they would have. But he also is sort of a well-known ecomaniac, and so he demanded to not only do that, but also coach the national team and also pick all of his own coaches to be assistant coaches, and he picked some random people who were mostly unsuccessful, and so it all turned into sort of a disaster. The benefit he had when he was coaching Germany's national team was that he was fighting against sort of an established power structure, but that power structure that was already in place was powerful enough to rein him in and to sort of calm some of his crazier impulses. With U.S. soccer, he got to be in charge of everything, and while that's good and while that works out well in some ways in terms of developing things, it works out poorly in terms of actually coaching the team to do well. So there's always been sort of that dichotomy between the the two roles that Klinsman was asked to play and his relative success at either one of them. And I think, I think they still need a voice like Klinsman to to continue to push people beyond just being good at college soccer, which is a ludicrous game, and then going on to be middling professional players in MLS, which is not a great league. But they, they need a voice to, against all of that sort of entrenched philosophy and the entrenched way of doing things, but they also need somebody who can actually coach a team and can put guys into situations they're going to succeed and stuff like that. It seemed like a lot of the smart guys wanted him gone a long time ago. And by a lot of the smart guys, I'm talking about you and Dana, my two right. friends who care about us soccer. When <laughs> did, was there a sort of consensus from you guys of like, everybody would have been okay with him being fired 18 months ago or two years. I mean, you're right. You said at the very beginning, it's been a long time coming. It sure has seemed like that for at least you guys. But how long do you think has it been since? Because he had some success at the very beginning, right? And then it's just been kind of a downhill slump well, the past at least year. The, the weird thing about Klinsman is that he did he, he had success in places that nobody ever had success before as a U.S. coach. Like, he won a game in Mexico, which the U.S. had never done before. And he... He got out of a really difficult group at the World Cup, which the U.S. had really never done before. But he also had moments where it just seemed crazy. Like, the U.S. lost to Jamaica at home, and they haven't lost to a Caribbean nation at home since 1969 or something like that. Just ridiculous failures along with some successes that 
it was just enough to enough to make you sick of him. For Dana, I know Dana was ready to get rid of him the moment that he left Landon Donovan off the World Cup roster in 2014. Oh, right. Not that that wasn't right, okay. necessarily the right decision, but it, Dana Dana is nothing if not loyal, so he was ready to fire him. I Most of the people I talked to were ready to fire him a long time ago, so it's hard to say. It, it would have been hard to find any smart soccer guys who – argued this week that they really should have kept Klinsman because it just it wasn't yeah I have not heard of anybody yeah Uh, one of the smart guys I read which is a guy named uh, Matthew Doyle writes for MLSsoccer.com really has led the anti-Klinsman charge and posted a very I would say gleeful article about his firing so I think I think most smart soccer guys (laughs) were ready to just get rid of him well, I'm happy. I'm happy for everybody. That's fantastic news. But I want to know more about Bruce Arena. This dude was canned a decade ago, mm-hmm. and if you're looking to get into a new echelon of quality, hiring a same guy who wasn't good enough ten years ago seems a little bit of like he's a placeholder while they go try to find somebody new. Is that the consensus? Or yeah, I think I think most people expect that. He's here to get the team to qualify for the next World Cup and coach them through the World Cup that year, and then they'll look to find somebody else. I don't know who that'll be exactly, but the consensus seems to be that Arena, who I think is 65 years old, is really just a stopgap because he knows how to get the best out of players, and he knows all of the American player pool because he's coached in when he wasn't coaching the national team. He's always been an MLS coach and an extremely successful MLS coach. Probably, eventually the the league's coach of the year trophy will be named after him. I it's not named after anybody right now, as far as I know, and eventually it'll be named after Bruce Arena. So, in that sense, he's a very good coach and he's a very successful college coach. The, col- the college coach of the year award may already be named after him. He won about forty two straight national championships when he was coaching at Virginia. But so he's he's sort of. The kind of guy to get the best out of the players that we have, but not the kind of guy who's going to really change how players are developed or find or bring along players that haven't been successful already. And that was rightly or wrongly something Klinsman did a lot of was give guys from random areas a chance. The most notable local example being Miguel Ibarra, who played for Minnesota United and was the first guy to get a call up to the national team playing in the second division for 15 years or something like that. Can can Bruce Arena get the best out of Christian Pulisic? Uh, I think Christian Pulisic can get the... By the way, I pronounced it the way you did because I'm a sheep, but it's pronounced Pulisic. Say the, say it with me, Stu. Pulisic. Pulisic. That's 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 the okay, that's that's just wrong. That's not. It's Pulisic. That's no, it's not clearly the right. <laughs> yeah, I just can't stress enough that it's not. And if I know how to okay. pronounce Pul- this name, Pulisic, Pulisic. So s- the stress is on the second syllable, so Correct. it's almost like saying ballistic. Yes, Pulisic. Yes, Christian and Chris Ballistic. Can we just Chris, call him that instead? Yep. Chris Pulisic. Huh. But I. I, I just, this is the only time in the history of this podcast that I pronounced someone's name correctly and known that I was right. So I just wanted to take a moment to save her, to save her actually getting a name right instead of calling Steve Curry, Steve Curry and getting laughed at by everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
I know that you know that you're right, but I still don't believe you. I think you're <laughs> but right. But I'm going to go that's ahead and pretty say much, yeah, that's where I'm at, too. <laughs> no, uh, I, okay, I have one last question. Is there a uh, is there a hotshot coach that you you want us to be all in on supporting? Like, let's get in on early of, like, we think this is the guy. Who's the? Is there a new young MLS dude who's really ready to shake it up? Like a, I'll tell you. Like a non-asshole. I'll tell you the guy yeah. that I wanted because it would have been completely crazy. The guy that I wanted is a guy named Miguel Herrera. He was Mexico's coach during the last World Cup. He coaches Tijuana in the Mexican League right now. He's a notable crazy person. He got fired from the Mexican yes. job for punching a reporter at the airport. That's exactly the kind of guy I want in charge of U.S. soccer. Just an absolute nutcase. I love it. He's not is he young. Good? Is he a good coach? Uh, he's Tijuana finished first in the Mexican League this fall, so he's a pretty good coach. Mexico did pretty well under him. I, he's a fine coach, but what I'm really interested in are the crazy celebrations and the punching of reporters and having a soccer coach who's five foot six and four feet wide and has no neck to speak of. All of these things <laughs> yeah. make Miguel Herrera the perfect man for the U.S. men's national team. You grab a few extra headlines, all of a sudden your sport takes off. Yep, all of a sudden you're punching reporters. Could be worse things. It's great. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Well, any last words on the on the Yurgi news before we move on, John? Uh, I'm, I'm, I just want to say to Clarence that I'm not going to apologize because I have nothing to apologize for and to suggest otherwise is ludicrous. We should write that down because I feel like I have to say that uh, probably 15 times a day. Just have like a very long acronym for if I'm anything. not going to apologize. I have nothing to apologize for <laughs> and to suggest otherwise is ludicrous. <laughs> if anything, Clarence should apologize to me. So I'll be waiting for that apology for an awfully long time. I've tried that one too. It doesn't really work. Yeah. He's a... But good luck. Okay, let's move on. Uh, twins, they finally have some news. They signed Jason Castro to... Is it a three-year deal? Is that right? That's correct. Three years, 24.5 per uh, Berardino in the Pioneer Press. So this was the exact same contract, essentially, that Josh Willingham got like five years ago, and uh, Terry Ryan scolded everybody for saying it wasn't much money. Is that right? Three years, Yeah, Terry Ryan made everyone in the front office turn off the lights for four years afterwards to try to save some money in favor of Josh (laughs) Willingham's contract. (laughs) No air Everyone had to bring their own coffee in if they wanted to have coffee. Yeah. (laughs) The amazing thing is three years, 24 million is like – the equivalent of ten years ago signing a guy for three years three million. It's just a nothing. Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't really seem like seems doesn't seem like it's anything you're ever going to regret. Even if he completely shits the bed yeah. and is pulls a John Ryan Murphy for three straight years, you wouldn't be like, well, can't get under can't get out from under that thing. We're totally strapped. Doesn't really mean a whole lot. So the contract, I think, is the contract. You know, it's not doesn't really mean much. Um. It's just, I, our friends, so go ahead. No, I I was just going to say, it's so nice having someone in charge that has some idea of what things cost, and it's not like taking your great-grandpa to the grocery store to buy milk and having him complain about it costing more than 14 cents. And oh, <laughs> It's just, it's nice being having somebody who's 
at least broadly speaking, competent and knowledgeable and not trapped in 1983 in charge of the... It's not, throw, not throwing holy water on the almond milk because it's, it's a tool of the devil. <laughs> yeah, I would love to have known what Terry Ryan, having the same mentality of, of uh, Farva, knowing that this is a guy that we want to go after. I wonder what Ryan's contract offer. Like three years, 800000 Yeah. And that's team options the second two years. Of course. That's twice as much as we gave Junior Ortiz. But our our smart guy friends, meaning Aaron and Parker and John and all of our buddies, seem to be pretty enthused. I mean, this isn't like an absolute game changer, but it is... Could expect to have maybe a couple more wins next year with Castro versus Suzuki. Does that strike you guys as as reasonable? It seems like it's a nice know. cheap way to improve. It's a nice cheap way to improve your pitching staff, isn't it? Yes. Um, for those who are listening who don't know, he's like an expert pitch framer. Like he will pull those. He will pull the balls in. Is uh, what we like to say in the biz. Um. And for a bad pitching staff, that can be a really valuable skill. I saw some um, Twitter chatter about if uh, they had robo-umps, Castro would probably be worth like one year, three million. But since umps are human and fallible and bad at their job, and you can fool them pretty easy, and Castro's good at that, that's why he got signed for three years at a little over eight million per. Trickery. He's into trickery. Yep, exactly. He's shifty. Yep. He's a liar. But it's he is he is a huge liar. But it's not cheating. He's not a cheater. He's just a liar, and that's fine. He's a mm-hmm. good salesman. Ain't nothing wrong with that. So I looked at some of his stats very briefly, and by briefly I mean like fifteen seconds. And uh, he actually a few years ago had an incredible hitting season. He had an eight thirty five OPS in almost five hundred bats, which is really 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 impressive. But He's also had some down years where it's been about 650, but I would say even somewhere in between there would be fine because, again, I think you get him for, for defensive purposes. He's a little bit old. He'll be 30 next year, so we've got him for his year 30, 31, and 32 seasons, which isn't, I guess, the worst thing in the world, but um, you know they're catchers. It's so hard to know how these guys are going to age. So um, I think... Like we said, it's not like an absolute crazy, you know, potential all-star guy here, but it seems like a decent start. And it's more about like, to me, the, um, the optics of like John as a fan, I think all of us were like, oh God, this is like a good, this is somebody who Terry Ryan would not have, he may have gone after, but there's no way he would have actually been able to beat out other bidders with a contract offer. So it's more about, to me, like, okay, good, there's some adults in the room now uh, that can go get the guy that they're looking for. So so that's good news. And there's not a whole lot of free agents out there anyway. So just to somewhat improve the both the a little bit of the lineup and also the, the pitching staff is pretty good news. So So I like it. I'm a fan. I, I am I am a fan as well. I'm on board. John, do we have John, a I think John is more skeptical. I think. No, I'm on board. This is little... this is fine. Oh, oh good. Right. This is the kind of thing the twins should I've... have been doing for the last 25 years and haven't because oh, I just 
I, I shouldn't I shouldn't take this optimistic <laughs> moment as a cue to get angry about the past. I really shouldn't, so I'm not going to. This is You're growing, sick John. of it. Where to go? <laughs> there you go. Shut up, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know we only have three of the four constituents here tonight, but I know that Clarence would be a fan as well because this is a defensive-minded catcher. And uh, that's what Clarence fancies himself as as being in the past. So, yeah. um, so Except I feel very confident to say we finally we've gone four for four on a point of view. The only thing I know for sure is that Clarence would describe this signing in some way that would involve his genitalia. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some metaphor. I'm not sure what it would, whether it would just be the old six to midnight scale or whether it would be something else, but. It would definitely involve his genitalia. He may have some new things he's been working on. I'd, I'd love to hear him. He's had a, More he's had a lot of time to workshop stuff. Yeah, very true. All right, let's move on to uh, let's move on to pigskin. Hey, Stu, oh, are hell the yeah. Vikings good? Are they good? Are the Vikings good again? <clears throat> um, they're scoring on defense and special teams again, so they're good again. <laughs> yeah, that's like the first five weeks they can. It really is that they scored. Uh, what would it, was it? Uh, Sixteen points on regular offense, which would have lost the game for them um, this week. But uh, as it happened, they got uh, a return touchdown and an inter- a, a, a giant um, interception touchdown. It was basically a twelve point swing. So um, you get that thirty to twenty four win. You get to go into Detroit and uh, play for basically the NFC North title. And, um, so if I, they just continue to have a defensive touchdown and a special teams touchdown every game, Super Bowl, baby. It's just like the I think that's, games. I, I, don't, I don't think anyone disputes that. Yeah, I don't think anyone disputes that. If they continue to get two touchdowns from non-offensive uh, players and uh, parts of their team, they're going to be sitting pretty good for the rest of the year. So um, you tell me. I think... Uh, if they go into Detroit and do the same thing, they'll they'll have a good Thanksgiving, and everyone will be happy and uh, let their pecan pie just rest perilously on their bellies while the Vikings are alone in first place in the NFC North, and everyone's happy again. But if they so don't read, get uh, those touchdowns, it's going to be sad again. Yes. I read uh, Will Leach uh, wrote a column this week about being an Arizona Cardinals fan, and uh, I didn't realize exactly how awful it's been for that uh, fan base this year. I mean, these guys, the Cardinals were, I think, maybe the second most likely to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year after the Patriots, or it could have been first. I mean, they were a great squad last year, um, had basically the entire team back, and they've been so bad. And he talked, Leach talked a little bit about the Vikings game. And how horrifying it was to watch because he's like, the Cardinals are better than that team, but they gave up these stupid two touchdowns. And uh, and I was like, yeah, man, we're usually on the other side of those games when it's like the most frustrating thing in the world. They'd be like, how are we losing to these guys? How in the world are we losing? Uh, and I never realized how shitty it must have been for Cardinals fans. But uh, I don't much care. I just think it's kind of funny yeah. um, to have the shoe on the other foot. So let me ask you, uh, John, are you officially on Team Shat Permer? Is he the guy? Uh, no. I have. I still have basically no opinion on Shat Permer. What about you? Do you have an opinion on Shat Permer? 
you were Mr. Norv, and you love Norv's offense this year, so I know you must be hurting inside at least a little bit. Why are you doing this to me, John? You said you on this podcast that you were impressed me? with Norv's offense this year. I'm not. Yeah, I, for I'm like two games. There's that shades happened. of gray here. For two games, I was liking what they were doing. That doesn't mean that I. I made you a chart, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, but that a was chart. years ago. What have you done for me this year other than praise Norv Turner? God. Well, I talked a lot of shit about him, but you don't seem to remember any of that no, either. I, th- that, um, that may or may not have happened. I have no memory, but I do remember arguing with you about whether Norv's offense was genius as they ran into the line on first and 10 and second and 12 and then had third and 15 every single set of downs. Yeah, yeah, I know. You mentioned that. You just are conveniently forgetting all of my brilliant counterpoints. But uh, to get back to your question, I am loving uh, Shat Permer because you know Poochie loves that wildcat. <laughs> it is it is kind of nice to see that the, the running game can only work if they eliminate the quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I like it. It's like three plays a game. Never really a whole lot more than that. Just mix it up once in a while. It's good times. And I, I do like that they're getting uh, corduroy pantsuit involved. Again, I don't know if that's like... Uh, if the that's resurgence a, of corduroy pantsuit is like the kind of weird, un, under-discussed story of this entire season, isn't it? Beyond all the uh, obvious storylines, the fact that he's turned into like almost a legitimate NFL player, a receiver yeah. and a special teams guy... While at the same time this rehabilitation was happening, the Vikings' number one pick continues to sit on the bench doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. It's all very weird. Very the odd thing about this corduroy pantsuit deal is, so he's a little bit, hes I mean, not a little bit, he's, he's for sure more involved in the offense, and he is better than he was last year. Oh. And now there's all these stories and quotes about he's so mature and he's really turned it around and he's more focused. And, like, is any of that true or is it just now that he's good again, we have to come up with some sort of story? Um, I haven't really heard any actual specifics whatsoever. I like to bring out Marthaler's razor here and just say it's a contract year. (laughs) He's playing for a contract. (laughs) That's That's what's happening. I, you know, I think people probably should notice that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. No, it's, it's definitely, that is exactly what it is. He he wants to get paid money somewhere next year, and that's Which, that's why he's good now. Yeah, he, but he wouldn't would, have he, if he would have been awesome feel. last year, he would have. <laughs> Go ahead, John. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you have to feel for the Cleveland Browns, who next year will overpay an uninterested corduroy pantsuit for in the hopes of getting a decent wide receiver and having him just fall off the face of the earth again. It, it's, a, it's a strange... <laughs> that Mitch Leidner to Cordell Patterson hookup in Cleveland next year. Oh, my God. It would be amazing to be the NFL GM who said, you know, this guy was known, absolutely known, for not giving a single crap for most of his career. But then in one in his contract year, he suddenly seemed to care about actually doing what a coach said. And he had a good year. So I think we should definitely sign him to a contract so that he can go back to not giving a crap in our city. 
Now, in in um, in Cordor, uh, corduroy pantsuit's defense, Sharif Lloyd is in the exact same position, and he's not playing at all. True. So, you know, man. Well, at least Patterson's Lloyd? trying. I don't know. He was supposed to be the anchor of the line, and he doesn't even get on the field. And Zimmer basically has, you know, put him in the upside down. I mean, he's not even. Yeah. They don't know where he is. He's sitting. He's sitting in the pool with Barb. And it's, it's, he's all gone. And meanwhile, Tom Johnson is getting <sighs> regular snaps, and we know Tom Johnson is a fake name for sure. So, yes. I wonder what Tom. Johnson so Floyd was, was injured, and then he came back, and now he's just bad. Is that the story? Um, he's hurt allegedly, but he doesn't like train or like. Uh, do any recovery at the facility, or I, I don't know. I It's a weird situation that I don't quite grasp yet, but he's clearly not in the Vikings' future plans, and um, obviously our, our absent uh, fourth member here would like to point out that Rick Spielman uh, wasted another pick on uh, on Sharif Floyd oh, at this Jesus. point. Yeah, I feel, I'm really sad that he's not here to point that out. Yeah. It's a real bummer. Um, well, anyway, I'm enjoying the I'm enjoying the pen suit uh, resurgence. It's fun. I think everybody is. It's it's fun. He's dynamic. He's you know it's he's good. It's nice. Yeah. Again, I, I like I like good fun things. I I'm going to again take this moment to not use this moment of optimism as an excuse to get angry about the past. But they could have used that a lot over the past couple of years. As Patterson you just was, said you weren't going to do that. As Patterson was You're forgetting to watch the game instead of just staring into the crowd or whatever he's doing for the past three years. What if Patterson was always good, but Norv Turner ignored him because he was too newfangled and weird for Norv's offense? <laughs> How about that? He does what? what? do you think about that? <laughs> Wait, is he a running back? <laughs> if he's not a running back, I don't care. Why does he keep yeah. calling me Alvin Harper? That's not my name. <laughs> uh, all right, Stu, hit me up with your preview for uh, Thanksgiving. They're gonna are they gonna save Thanksgiving as we uh, get in fistfights about the election, or are they gonna make it even worse? <laughs> um, I just have a hard time wrapping my head around Detroit being basically two games ahead of anybody in the NFC North at 3 o'clock on Thanksgiving afternoon. So I will predict a Vikings win on Thursday. It's just too I weird? Just, I, you're just not I, it's prepared just, to it's live just, in that world? It's not, there's no real, like, you know, stat head or looking at game tape type of take I can offer on this. It would just be too weird for Detroit to be in that good of a position on Thanksgiving, you know? In yes. hindsight, the the craziest thing that happened in the NFL for I haven't again I've not totally checked in, but I did watch the end of the Lions game we played him the first time, and uh, Stafford threw down the middle to get to the forty yard line at the end of the game <laughs> with and with like six seconds left, and somehow the entire Lions team perfectly ran up. The most well-coached play I've seen in the NFL and spiked it with one second left, which mm-hmm. is just, this is not the Lions we're used to seeing. They're, the old no. Lions of old, somebody would have had their helmet thrown yeah. off 
and they would have yeah. gotten like a thousand per- personal something would have happened. They would have gone to Jim the Schwartz replay and discovered somebody. the Lions actually had nineteen guys on the field. Somehow. Yeah, their entire their entire uh, the only one lined up right would have been Calvin Johnson. That would have been it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On the field so not only receivers. So it was like a perfectly coached moment. Incredible to see. And then at the end of the game, they win it. And Jim Caldwell, I saw him like show human emotion. He like smiled and jumped and threw his fist in the air a little bit. It was super weird because the knock on him again is that he's like a mannequin. So I don't know what to think anymore with these fucking Lions because that's not the Lion team I remember. So... I want you to be right, Stu, but they do seem a little bit different this year. John, what's your preview? Uh, my preview is that I have a two-and-a-half-month-old baby, and so I will miss large chunks of the game to try to get somebody who's crying to stop, and it won't even be a, uh, either my brother or my dad. So, Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. That's my preview. I think this is the game that Kai Forbath uh, wins the game for them. Like a 23-20 to type of thing where he wins like on a last-second field goal. So let's go 23-20 Vikings. I just think uh, it'll be be like a 25-yarder. Oh, okay. All right. All right. 23-20 Vikings. Damn, that's a really good... Fuck, that's a good one. I'm gonna say yeah, it'll be a fun uh, game. It'll you know it'll be, it'll distract you from you know your parents telling you you know Trump really doesn't mean the things he says. He's just trying to bring jobs back to Middle America. You know it'd be that type of thing. Oh God, I just got like a knot in my stomach thinking about it. Luckily, my family doesn't get <laughs> uh, too political, so uh, I have I actually the most political on my family is a very very lefty uncle who may just rile people up by being so lefty, which, you know, it's still a fight, but uh, we usually don't get it too bad, so that's good news. Uh, I'm going to go 27-20 Lions. Yeah, I could could totally see that. I mean, I could really just see the Lions actually being good this year because nothing ever makes sense ever. I'm going to say Lions 34, Vikings 13 with another missed extra point. My word, wow. John, that's a wow. 34. We yeah. don't play fast enough to give up 34 points. I was, yeah, I was going to say. Huh. 
All right. Well, good to know. Good to know. All right. Let's mm-hmm. move on. We got a couple other sports we want to hit. John, how panicky are you about the Minnesota Timberwolves? Well, I think I'm very panicky, aren't you? They're they're terrible. They're terrible again. They're they're good in the first half. They're very they're, bad. They're leading seventy two to forty two at the halftime of every game, and then they only have two players on the floor for the entire third quarter, which they lose thirty seven to nine every night, and then they lose the game. What is going on? Thibs is is playing it is every, the every player weirdest. on the roster. He didn't make any substitutes in any of the past four games. Carl Anthony Towns is visibly exhausted at every moment because Thibs has forgotten that he's allowed to substitute during the game. It's, I, I think it's panic time, don't you? I am panicky. I am not. Well, it's panic to me is maybe not the right word because this was never going to be like the year. But no, it I'm was definitely going to be, like it was going to be a year though. Yeah. Yep. Yep, for sure. Um, but we're not in the. We're not going to be like missing something that we, whatever. Um, my, I'm in more of like a, I'm going to check in a little bit from time to time. But until they can get rattle off a few wins in a row and get somewhat close to 500, it's sort of like I'm not going to make time in my life for them as of now. But it's the just the fucking weirdest thing to be bad at certain parts of the game because it's not like the teams that they're playing want to be losing at the beginning of the game it's not like they turn into different human beings in the second half versus the first half so they're obviously like talented um and here's the thing you know one thing that i hate in well not hate in sports but i don't really like a whole lot is like narrative like i just don't like the storytelling aspect as much because i think a lot of it is just like made up bullshit about well this team is good they must all be friends or this guy is better it must be because he's got such a good attitude or works so hard or all that sort of bullshit is i would just have more fun talking about sports without talking about all those underlying stories and narratives around it but i do think that this one is the narrative to a young basketball team is like they're super talented but when the going gets tough they fucking they shit their pants when these other teams that are run by Grown-ass men like Marc Gasol or the Celtics with Al Horford realize, like, well, we got to toughen up at this point, and they do. The Wolves suck against them. Like, I don't know if you watched the the Wolves-Celtics game, but the entire game turned on Horford's defense on Towns in the second half. Like, they couldn't get the ball to him. They got super frustrated and tried to just stare him down to hope to get him the ball. They couldn't, so they had to take these panicky shots. Um, but again, if you play that, it's a little, I'm being a little dramatic. Cause I think if you play that fourth quarter again, the wolves win legitimately like 92 out of a hundred times. It was just like this weird fluky thing that happened against that one. But against all the other games that they have been losing, it's just been like grown men pounding them. Um, oh boy, that sounded, I'm, um, I'm disappointed in that particular phrasing. Yes, yes, yep. Yeah, I'm also disappointed. I, I'm panicky. I don't even know where to go after saying that, uh, that <laughs> What do sentence. I do? What do I do? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> oh know. Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know. Do I just quit? Do, what if I unplug the computer? Will that make it go away? Um, but that's sort of, again, I tend to veer away from that, but I do think that's been the story this year. And, and it, 
you know, a lot of people looking for reasons. To me, it's Occam's razor. The major, the the main guys in their team that need to carry them are 21 years old, and they're playing like 21 year olds. They get up, they go on runs. It's great, and then when it gets difficult, they press and they just start panicking and playing terribly, just awful. So, I guess if you're into into narratives and you're into the whole narrative of that it's supposed to be hard and you need to work hard and it's beyond more than just talent. Sometimes once they get good, a lot of people will look back on this, even just this start of this year as being like, that's when they learned how to play, you know, how to play in the NBA. So I don't know if you want to call that a silver lining or something, but I bet we'll be talking about even this stretch for, for a, for a long time. That'd be my guess. It just, the part that worries me is that it feels like every other Timberwolves season, especially a couple of years ago, the 40 and 42 season where the the Wolves were oh by God. all the measures about the fifth best team in the Western Conference, but they managed to lose every close game. feels exactly like that, Brandon, and I, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yes. Yeah, it's very true. And the just the collapses in the second half, Jesus, it's... I've been fortunate enough to miss a couple of them, so I haven't been um, completely entrenched, which is which has been a good thing. Because um, I find that I am, especially with a with a season like this, I'm just happier not paying as much attention because then I can be like just pleasantly surprised if they somehow win a game that I missed. Mm-hmm. I don't have to watch it, and it feels a little bit better. But um, I'm fortunate for about that because, or I'm I'm feeling happy that I have missed some of that because. Oh God! Yeah, I mean, Wolves Twitter has been like Cormac McCarthy novels. Like at the end of <laughs> these these third and fourth quarter collapses have just been just been bleak. It's it's not it's not good. And uh, I've gotten I've gotten think, actual I've gotten. Would you say some? Would you say you. some of it? Oh, okay, you you go with your stat. All right, go you go you go first too, and then I'll then I'll get to the facts. Oh, I was just I was going to ask Brandon if he thinks some of this, um, like the earlier. Uh, collapses were due to the lack of Rubio and having to go with Dunn and Tyus Jones at the point. Yeah, Dunn does not look very good. John and I talked about this on the on the two man that we were kind of secretly hoping he doesn't look that good so we could be proven right about Ricky, but um, which is a little weird point of view, but it's honest. Yeah. So maybe some of that, but uh, this last game again. I'm I'm concerned more about like the two Memphis games that they pissed away more than the Celtics one because the Celtics one was so fucking fluky and weird. I mean they they were at one point like one for twenty in the quarter, and a good half dozen of those were just Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins being wide open makeable shots that they missed. So, mm-hmm. but that's the thing. Like when you're four and eight, a game like that happens, and it's not like a ah you know. The couple of these t- things are going to happen each year. We're going to get a few. We're going to give a few. That's the way it's going to be. It's like you can't really do that anymore because you need to take the wins when you can get them. Um, so that's what makes it just so much worse. So I think they'll be fine. I think, you know, Rubio has been not as important with, with Tibbs around, which is kind of a bummer, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. Tibbs has to like Rubio because he's such a smart player. I just... Anybody that thinks otherwise, to me, I would have to see a little bit of proof before um, before going down that road. Because I just think, in general, I would assume that Tibbs really likes the way he plays. But could be because I'm a 
um, a Rubio fanatic. So I don't know. John, what do you got? You got a stat or did you have a, another question? I, I got an actual stat here. In the first half of games so far, defensive rating, the, in the first half, the Timberwolves have the number one off. They're on average, they're the, the net between the two. They are wow. the worst offensive team. The worst defensive team would be in the first half, the worst in the second half. That is un. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a possible place to go. And again, I haven't seen all the games, and I can't for sure say that's the case, though it might be. But um, I also think it's important to to hold accountable the guys that are on the court. And really, it's it's been you've seen the the minutes. Towns, Wiggins, Levine, um, Gorgie have played so many of the minutes in that second half. That's who should be playing. Um, but I do see some, I don't know if you want to call it panic or just shitty play or not working hard enough or whatever from Towns and from Wiggins. Uh, and Levine is just a turnstile at times too. So, but again, like maybe it's coaching in terms of like the plays he's having them run or the pace he's having them go. I don't know about that. I haven't looked closely enough, but it's not that he's like playing the wrong guys necessarily. Although I guess maybe you could make the case that they're getting a little tired out at the end. They're worn down because they've been playing so many minutes. Um, that could be for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That could for sure be it. So hopefully they figure that out again. I know that we're 13 games into the Thibodeau era of what should be like, you know, eight years of quality basketball. So I understand that, that, but um, no, I think if this was, flip running the show or Mitchell um, I would probably go there I just wish I had some more examples of what exactly what exactly it could be with with poor coaching again I just I just don't know enough I'm willing to go there though I just wanted you to to know that I am willing to call him out if I think that I just I don't know <laughs> I am very I am I am DTA I'm, or DTBA I'm down to be angry for sure you know me. Uh, I don't know, man. Let's. Uh, I mean, the some of this, some of the fancy prediction things had them at thirty-two wins. Other ones had them at forty-five wins. So there was kind of a huge, um, a huge gap there between like the players on the court should be like a mid-thirties team. If you have the same exact team, you're not going to just magically win a bunch more than the year before. Uh, but there was a lot of faith in, in uh, Thibodeau, obviously. So we'll, uh, it remains to be seen on exactly who's going to be right there. But All right, we got to get moving. Um, John, have you been watching Gopher Hoops at all? Uh, no, haven't seen a second. Not really that interested to Stuart. see a second. Stuart, are you? Have you? Um, they won tonight, right? They did win tonight. They like beat Arkansas, I think, the... Nolan Richardson brought Todd Day in and did yeah. the 40, 40 minutes of hell, and uh, yeah. the Gophers stood up strong. Corliss Williamson. I have no idea. Corliss Williamson, yeah, I I, I have no idea. Um, who's a Gopher basketball player? We asked this, I think, on the show that didn't record. Amir Coffey. I, I still don't think I know. Amir Coffey yes. is a Gopher basketball player. Because he's the paratrooper's son. Right. Yes, true. 
and uh, we don't know any other players. No, I know all the players. I've been paying more attention. I think they're kind of fun this year. And I know, again, I just want to, for the record, it is November 22nd. I understand that they're going to be an absolute disaster once they get into the Big Ten. Um, I also wanted to say as my second... Well, is the Big Ten any good, though? The Big Ten is... I mean, do you know... Yeah, the Big Ten's going to be really good this year. I know Tom Izzo coaches Michigan State, and I know Indiana lost to Fort Wayne tonight. So that's that's what I know. Um, The... uh, the Big Ten should be pretty solid this year, for sure. The the um, Gophers are going to be in, in a lot of trouble. Indiana is currently the third-ranked team in the country, so they're going to be very good. Wisconsin, Purdue. But they lost to, they lost to Fort Wayne tonight, Brandon. Sure, sure. I don't and think Fort that... Wayne does not have a college in it. <laughs> I don't think that means Indiana's... Uh, maybe they have to shut their program down. That would actually be awesome news for us. Um, but they should be at least... Pretty good. Um, Wisconsin, Purdue, Michigan State, and Michigan are also all in the top 25. So that's half of them right there. Um, and Ohio State is also going to be good. So, yeah, the Big Ten is going to be good this year. But I like the Gopher squad. They actually have some balance. Um, I watched some of the game tonight. Um, Reggie Lynch is this huge monster center. Um, and Nate Mason is their point guard who's – like a solid Big Ten point guard. Um, and then, John, you mentioned Coffee is supposed to be pretty good as well as a freshman. So they're at least um, better than last year. And I would say I'm almost done with drinking my abrasives, so this might be the beer talking, but I think they might be watchable. Hmm. I didn't say good or going to make some noise this year or anything, but I think they might be worth watching on television if you have time. That's all I'm going to say for now. Big boys, big toys, big noise. That's what I always say. It's been a good year for golfers (laughs) who are the children of former golfers. Between Amir Coffey, who, as Stu noted, is a paratrooper son, and Simone Mm -hmm. Colander was the Big Ten forward of the year in women's soccer, Chad Colander's daughter. And the Gopher, Gopher men's hockey team has about six or seven guys who are children of former Gophers, including Brent Gates' kid. Wow. So it, it, it's just been a John, good is Gopher affair. hockey any good so far? No, they're terrible. They lose every game they play that matters. Oh, oh okay. That sucks. I think U, UMD, is run, UMD is running away with it, aren't they? They're like number one in the country. Number one in the country, number one in our hearts, number one in the Marthaler Cup. They're going to run away with it. They've got this. I'm so excited. All right, let's uh, let's do a couple uh, quick hits on sports and then, uh, and then get out of here. Uh, John, how many more points will the Wild end up with this year compared to last year? They will end up with five fewer points than last year. And they will miss no. the playoffs because they're a bad hockey team. John, stop it. Don't do this. Come on. It's Be been straight really entertaining. They're the better. most entertaining part of this wild season has been watching Bruce Boudreau actually speak honestly about this terrible wild team instead of doing the Mike Yell, well, our leaders are our leaders, and we got to go with these guys. It's it's just fun to – the other night <laughs> – Boudreaux, somebody asked him how he's going to 
going to slow down the other team's line. He said, well, we got four checking lines right now. So he's pretty much constantly calling out the whole team for being terrible. And as someone who's, who, who wants embarrassment and wants, likes to call for heads about twice every period, it's, it's nice to see that the coach is on board with me. This team is bad. They're not, they're, they're not very good at hockey and they're going to miss the playoffs this year. I still believe. Well, I I, I appreciate your blind, unfounded yes. optimism. Feels good. Um, Stu, how many points will go for football lose by this weekend? Um, it's Wisconsin at Wisconsin, right? Yeah. Um, well, I thought they were going to get their ass kicked by Nebraska, and they actually played a competitive game. Uh-huh. But again, Marthaler, I, I will use Marthaler's razor here and say they will lose by four touchdowns. It will be 35 to 7. I like that a lot. I really like 35 yep. to 7. That makes sense to me. That speaks to me. John, what, do you, yep. what are your thoughts? Yep. Uh, they'll probably lose by seven points, and then you'll oh. have to hear from all the people who are like, you know, they, they, lost, they didn't lose by very much. There's some good teams. I, I really think this was a good year. Forgetting that they beat Rutgers, which is the worst team of any kind, any sport, any kind, any level of football. They only beat them by two points at home. So using the same logic, they would be the worst team in the Big Ten. But I just the the people on Twitter are like, oh, they won eight games. Well, they played the absolute dregs of the Big Ten this year. It's not an impressive feat. I'm sure they'll go. They'll play in the Holiday Bowl or something, and that'll be exciting for for my friend Shmuel who lives in San Diego and the other three Minnesotans who are living in San Diego who get to go um, to the. Golf I think they're I think they're currently projected right. for the uh, the corn dog the corn dog purveyor bowl of Foster Farms or State Fair corn dogs, <laughs> one of those two. Here's, here's the thing: I honestly don't know if you're joking or not. <laughs> no. I am not kidding. <laughs> The Foster is it Farms called the Corn Dog Bowl. <laughs> well, uh, Foster Farms is uh, the uh, corn dogs that uh, my family prefers, sure. and they do sponsor a bowl game. Wow, I did not see that coming. Brandon is Best Buy support. Do they, do they sponsor a bowl game? No, but I mean, you, you think Best Buy has that corn dog foundation money? <laughs> <laughs> the American Corn Dog Association. The Foster Farms Bowl is actually in the new uh, the new the new Niners Stadium has the uh, Foster Farms Bowl. Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, watch out for the Zodiac or Clarence. Excuse me, the Clarence. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So I had a quick story before we go. Um, I was thinking of the thing that we should do as a new... And again, I'm, I've been drinking abrasive, so forgive all of the rest of this. Um, I was thinking a new segment that we should have is like anytime you step out of your comfort zone as a grown-up, you should talk about it on the podcast just to sort of encourage more stepping out of your comfort zone experiences and moments and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I, in the spirit of that, I went to in a like workout class at uh, lifetime fitness this week after work. So like I went after work directly to the gym and went into one of those studio classrooms to get, uh, it was called like a high intensity training. So that was outside of my comfort zone. I've never done a class before. I've never gone to work out after work. 
I was ready to do this. And I walked in and it was like, so I think we all sort of tease each other as being like, I'm Poochie and you guys are this or that. But we're all very similar human beings in terms of what we, uh, in terms of who we are. And so I walk into this like darkened room and there's like Whitney Houston playing and it's like all women, just all ladies. And I immediately get flush and nervous and like, what, what is this? Can I turn around and leave? And the head instructor lady with the microphone on and like the spandex comes over and she's like, hi, I'm Val and whatever. And she sets me up with like a, a thing to step up on and these like five pound, little tiny five pound weights and a couple towels for <laughs> when you get sweaty or some towels uh, and a couple glider things so you can do these motions or whatever. Uh, and I'm immediately like horrified. Like I'm just, I, you know, God bless, you know, I'm not trying to be like a, <laughs> I'm a dude and I'm a, you know, I'm a guy and whatever. But this was, I just can't even put into words how fucking horrible of an experience this was just the first 30 seconds of getting set up and all this equipment. <laughs> and I was like, I'd never been here before. I'd never done this. What's the, whatever. She goes, Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be good. Don't worry about it. It's going to be great. And I was like, is this a, girls thing or is there he's like oh no 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 and then like two other guys showed up later which was so it was like me and this old guy and this young guy and then like 40 women or whatever listening to like whitney and mariah carey and shit so then we get started with this workout and i thought high intensity training was like push-ups and burpees and like squat jumps and all this like stuff high intensity and she starts out with like uh um, like jump in the air and kick your legs out like David Lee Roth, like a jump kick or something <laughs> or other, and like do these. <laughs> and I'm right in the sort of middle back, and I can see, I'm trying to watch this instructor because she's doing a bunch of these weirdo, like kick your legs out and while you're dancing and side to side, get those hips moving, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and there's like a mirror in front of her so I can watch myself in my moment of the worst adult experience I've had. And it's like a thousand degrees in there. It's like hot, not hot yoga, but something similar. It was like 80 degrees. So I'm just drenched immediately. 30 seconds in I'm drenched. I'm doing jumping jacks and side to side, shake your butt moves or whatever with all these girls. And, uh, ended up. So I think my original point of all this was not only, only to this story and to the whole thing was like step outside of your comfort zone because at the end of it, you'll be like super proud that you did it. Um, and in this case, I have to say, uh, I was not proud at all that I did it. I totally regret every single second of it. It was the worst fucking thing I've done <laughs> in forever. I hated it. I hated it so much. I never wanted to do it again. Oh God. I don't even have any jokes. I don't have any jokes. You or know, anything. We have comfort zones for a reason, Brandon. <laughs> yes. I know, I know. I should stay within my comfort zone. I just wanted to... I thought the only good thing that could come... I mean, I did get a good workout. There were some squat jumps that happened later and burpees and whatever else. It was a good workout. So, you know, it wasn't just jazzercise. Um, So that, I suppose, was a good thing. And I figured, at the very least, I can tell you guys and you can have the visual of me just horrified and so sad struggling through this workout thing and in the middle of a classroom of surrounded by by gals who are way better shaped than me and i couldn't even leave uh while again listening to 
I don't even know what sort of music, um, Taylor Swift or whatever. So hopefully at least you guys can enjoy that mental picture when you're, when you're sad, you can picture how bad, how, how miserable I was. I've seen, I've seen the look on your face before as you, as you plow through yet another podcast where you're trying to smile and you're trying to, you're trying to feel good, but I can tell deep down inside, you just would rather die than endure another minute of that. So I can imagine you walking into this classroom with a big smile on your face, trying to pass off things like it's normal and just mm-hmm. inside being like, why did I do this? I hate myself. I hate everything. <laughs> I, I'm never, I want to yeah. leave. Maybe I can fake a heart attack. What do I do? <laughs> God, I, I, was... I, I've seen that look on your face before as we've, as we've done podcasts in, in other live places. And so I, I, I think I have some idea of what you, what you've gone through here. I mean, I really like want to just show leave up when we're, when we're doing live podcasts and you have yes. to look at them and, Tell them that we're not actually from a radio station or something and that we're just <laughs> I wanted to leave, but there was so much equipment in front of me. There was the step up thing and the weights and the towels and the gliders. I you know, if it's just a like I did a spin class too, and I had never done that before, and that was totally fine because if you don't want to do what the lady is saying, hey, you know, pump it up, tension, whatever, just don't do it and you're not gonna be embarrassed. But if you're not doing the kick leg things in the middle of the classroom you look like an asshole. So you have to do it. You have to do the butt shakers. Um, it, you have to the, do the butt the shakers feeling... is a good podcast title. <laughs> true. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, the feeling that I had of like, I'm so miserable. Why did I get into this? Was the exact same one I have every time I look at my phone and see an at reply from Clarence asking about an <laughs> apology. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a familiar Just feeling for all of us. There's no way out. There's no way I'm going to be able to get out of this. Besides, I just have to take the L right now and just sit in this moment and let him just rant away for whatever weird reason. Yeah. That was the same feeling. So at like least anytime, I'm experiencing it now. But Anytime Stu tweets at Clarence with just my name in there and not like a Twitter handle, so I'm not notified of it, but I can see them talking about me. <laughs> That same feeling. (laughs) It's still just trying to somehow save your replies, save your mentions of like, all right, I'm not even going to involve him. Hopefully he'll miss this. (laughs) Yeah. It's really just so Clarence will Uh, yell at John instead of me. That's really, you know, that's. It's all. I'm there. It's all distracting dad. So he beats a different kid than you. (laughs) Exactly (laughs) right. (laughs) We do this to each other on a daily basis. We try to pawn him off on one or the other. That's pretty, yes, it's pretty great. Uh, but anyway, if you guys ever have any comfort zone stories, um, I want to hear about them. Like, I wish Stu, you could have talked about your. Uh, actually, I think we did talk a little bit about your dad dance thing too. It would have been sort of fun to to get into some of those moments. So anyway, sure, I just we- wanted to vent at least a little bit because it was. Uh, um, I feel like I've been in a, in a tiny little war. So <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I think that's it. We've uh, passed okay. the hour mark. Does anybody have any uh, closing remarks? Anybody doing it? Um, if anybody has gotten to this part, um, if anyone has gotten to this part of the podcast at all, if three people respond to me 
asking what I thought of the Gilmore Girls reboot, because that's what I'm going to spend all of the day after Thanksgiving doing, is watching the Gilmore Girls Back up for a second. Uh, new episodes on they Netflix. They rebooted the Gilmore Girls? Yes. Hell yeah, There's they did, baby. There's a eighth season of the show. They're going to do, uh, it's a, it's six hours worth of Gilmore Girls that Netflix is releasing on, like, midnight on Thanksgiving. So are the same... So on Friday, um, we're... Are the same people involved? It's going to be the whole, the whole Newman family... Everyone except for Edward Herman, who died, you asshole. Um, I don't know. I don't know. So it's going to be, you know. So when you say the when uh, you say a reboot, Grandpa. they're not they're not. It's not just like a shot for shot remake of the previous series. I shouldn't say reboot. It's uh, it's the same people. It's just another season of Gilmore right. Girls. It's just, and when did Gilmore? Girls you know, Richard Gilmore's not there because he died, you asshole. Yeah. Uh, two thousand. Uh, let's say seven. Yeah. <sighs> It's been a very long time. Yeah, so it's four hour and a half it's episodes. It's been a while. So four 90-minute episodes. That's going to be what a lot of people... Yes. I'm sure that's what my wife will be spending most of her day on Friday doing as well. So we will uh, we will commiserate a little bit later. I'll watch that. I thought the Gilmore yeah. Girls was pretty fun. So oh. I'll get back into it. I, I love the Gilmore Girls. It's it's Yeah, it's one of my favorite right, shows. So I'm, guys- I'm, I'm not even ashamed to say it. I just saying, if three people bring up um, in my Twitter mentions... Talk about Gilmore Girls in the next episode. I will talk about Gilmore Girls in the next episode that we remember to record. Three is a really good number because I think that's super attainable, and I'm also pretty sure less than three people are listening to us right now. So it'll be very interesting to know. Yeah, I think if uh, if that's actually true. Yeah, we'll see it. We'll see how that experiment works. If it if this fails, do uh, we're gonna have a lot of soul searching to do. <laughs> We we really are. <laughs> like one person listened to the end. Oh boy. We, I mean, I know I know one's coming from Wade, and I think one will come from my wife. So that wild card number three, we're gonna see what happens. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I, I think like, my mom probably listens, but I don't think she knows how to at. So I feel like Josh. I feel like Josh Fiedler will help you out just because he's a nice guy. Possible. He is good people yeah. that way. Yeah, that's possible. He's been waiting for a new episode for a long time, so hopefully he'll be happy. I'm just going to tell you, you guys might be excited about this Gilmore Girls rerun, but this is a this is a symptom of this rerun sequel disease that's afflicting American filmmaking and American television. So when you go to the movies next time and there's nothing out but Marvel Cinematic Universe reboots and other crap, don't come crying to me. It's your fault. Well, I think movies I'll, are I'll in particular like that. I think TV shows. I don't know. I mean, Veronica Mars movie was pretty awesome. I liked that a lot. I really, I really liked that one. I was, I was happy. Arrested with that Development. One. Yeah, but yeah, I, 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 I agree with John's general point. But I, in the things that I like, then I don't care. Yeah, that's very true. Because I'm a giant as long hypocrite. As you don't like it, then it's I a am... symptom of what's wrong with America. And if you do like it, then you just don't care. Oh yeah. John, at a macro level, Correct. you're totally right. At this specific example, eat shit. <laughs> and, and die. die. And die. I'm sorry. And die. I, I I was talking to somebody yesterday who, this is only slightly related, but I was talking to somebody yesterday and I had to, this person is very into television shows and pop culture television shows and I had to go through the list of all of the shows that I never see, never have seen and never will probably see, like Breaking Bad and Mad Men and Lost and The Wire and all of these, uh, the the Holy pantheon shit. of 
of the great shows that I'll I'll never ever get to. And I just I I still feel terrible about it cuz this this guy who's a friend of mine just looked at me with just that one moment of undisguised loathing in his eyes. It's just hard to take mm-hmm. from people you like and respect. Have you just given up on some of them, or are other ones still on your list of like someday no. <laughs> I'm gonna watch The Sopranos? Or there, there, there's a lot of stuff that's still on my list. I just I'm I've been stuck in the middle of season three of Justified for about three years now. I I swear I'll get to the re- <laughs> I swear I'll get to the rest of it at some point. It just hasn't happened yet. Sometimes it's good to just mark some things of like there's it's just never going to happen. Like I never saw Lost and I'm just not going to see Lost. Sorry. Yeah. There's just 0% chance, but there's other things that I haven't seen that are still on the list, but you got to cross a few off otherwise that list keeps growing and it's daunting. You got to just go one at a time. So um, Yeah, I it's just, Don't it's check never... off Breaking Bad though. That's Keep Breaking the one... Bad on that list no matter what. Yeah. Keep it on your list. It's it's a good watch. Stu, what's number one on your list? Um, oh, God, I could use I could do a whole podcast about that. I don't. I I can't even give, <laughs> give a good answer to that. It'd be interesting to hear you be involved in a podcast the whole time. Oh, stop it! Um, <laughs> I'm, seriously, I'm not. I'm not going to give you. I'm not going to give a. I can't give a good answer to that. Oh, we'll uh, we'll do like uh, TV specific episodes once it gets into winter time and we have nothing else to talk about. How does that sound? When the timber rolls, a really good. That's a fe- we call that the uh, the uh, February uh, podcasts might be the yeah the non sweeps podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. what we'll do. Um, all right, we've been chat, we've been gabbing enough. Let's uh, let's get a move on. So, um, all right, uh, goodbye. Later. 